Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. So I thank uh, you so much for, for the love and the support over the years. You know, infamy is indeed one mystery that I'm, uh, you know, I keep learning each and every now and then. Infamy is not like uh, the other churches where I have been a pastor. Infamy is one unique mystery. And one thing that God told me is that uh, he wants the church to be rooted before he brings the numbers. If we do not have spiritual rooting and we have the numbers, we may end up withering before even our time. He wants the ministry to be firmly rooted. We must get a proper grounding in every aspect before we are able to advance, before we are able to do anything. And you see, the remnants of infamy, they are the ones that God is very particular about. He's keen about remnants. And I can tell you, beloved, a time is going to come whereby God will shock a lot of people in his body, whereby even in the larger congregations, when the shaking begins to happen, it is only the remnants who will stand. And my prayer is that you are going to be a remnant, not because of the fact that you're a member of this congregation, but because of one thing, that you are in the Lord and you're in the kingdom. That is fundamental. That the reason why you belong to Infinite Fellowship Ministries is because, number one, you belong to God. You belong to Christ, you live for Him, and you are firmly rooted in Him. That is the only way you'll be able to find expression within this local assembly, otherwise known as Infinite Fellowship Ministries. That is the only way you'll be able to understand the prophetic purpose of the vision that Jehovah God has given unto us. I pray that you're not a member of this congregation in vain. I pray that you're not going to be the kind of a person who is going to be a, a, a nominal believer or a nominal Christian for that matter. I think I prefer the, 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 the word believer than Christian because so many people call themselves Christians, but very few are like Christ. You get what I'm saying? You can fellowship in this congregation for years and yet at the end of the day, you are never one of us. Let me take it further. You can fellowship in this congregation for many years and yet you are never part of the Lord. You are never part of God. You are not of Christ. You are of the world. The only reason why you came is because you thought it is convenient. And I can assure you, there is no conveniency when it comes to matters of God. If you are a convenient Christian that feels that it is convenient to be in infamy, I can assure you things are going to get hot. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you are a convenient Christian who feels that it is convenient to be part of infamy because you like how people behave, you're getting me? Because you ran away from somewhere. Let me assure you, that which made you run away from somewhere will be exposed in due season. It could take a couple of years, but it will be exposed. Okay? 
God does not want us to be running away. Some of you have been running away for years. You started running away from home. You started running away from in school. You've been running throughout your life. Even in your career, you are running away. It is time for you to settle. And the first place that you must settle is in Christ. You must settle in him. If you settle in Christ, I can assure you, you'll settle in your family. You'll settle in your career. You'll settle even in infamy. You'll settle in the body of Christ. You'll settle in the gate of society that God has called you. You'll settle in your destiny. But if you do not settle and all you keep doing is running away because you do not want to take responsibility and address the issues that are wrong in your life, my friend, it's going to be hot. Because God does not want people who are lukewarm. You better be hot or cold. Lukewarmness will not, will not suffice. Belonging to a church because you want some motivational speaking will not suffice because, beloved, I'm not called to the ministry to be a motivational speaker. As a matter of fact, I'm not very eloquent when it comes to being a motivational speaker. I'm only called to do what I'm good at, and that is to preach the gospel in my apostolic office. So motivational speaking, will, good as it might be, it might not take you far. Because there are places where you don't, you don't need to be motivated. There are places where you need to confront. And infamy is a confrontational ministry. We don't go confronting people. We confront circumstances. We confront devils. I think some of you, it's, it's been long since we ever, did the, we, we, we ever did the thing that we used to do in the, old, in the good old days. You remember in 2011? Our services used to be upside down. Sometimes I would not preach. After worship, there would be manifestations. Those are times where I used to cast out devils from people. Some of you are also part of it. Some of you guys, you, you carry the things, but thank, thanks be to God, you are, you, you, are, you are now fine. Those that, come, that came later on, probably they have not seen that, but it's going to come. It's going to come. Where you are turned upside down, not by any man. Where you're slain by the Holy Ghost, not by the hand of somebody laying hands on you. And you begin to roll and roll and roll. You, you get delivered without anybody touching you. You get refilled by the Spirit of God without anybody forcing you to speak in tongues. You begin to prophesy while on the floor. You begin to mourn and you, you people have no idea. You get what I'm saying? You know, in the time of revival, there is there's no such a thing as you're more so mindful about who is looking at you. Before you even begin to think about yourself and your status and your position and your dressing, you'll find yourself on the floor. And no one will bother about you. You're getting me? These are years whereby we must hunger and thirst for righteousness. So like I told you, infamy, we are confrontational. We confront circumstances, we confront devils, we confront problems, we don't run away from them. We confront our own issues, we confront sin, 
you don't sugarcoat. You declare that this is sin according to the word of God, regardless as to whether it's going to strip me of my reputation or not. It is sin. If you are a pathological liar, you say, fine, I'm a pathological liar, it is sin. And I need to stop it. You don't begin to say that there's a misunderstanding. You get what I'm saying? And you know, liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. If there's something that is going to take people to hell, lying. When you lie in God's name, you know, the, you, you, you know one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And a lot of times we take God's name in vain. Saying Jesus as many times as possible and quoting scripture will not, will not in any way validate your sinfulness. It will not sanitize your lifestyle. Because you see, you can fool men, but you cannot fool God. You can fool men and do everything, but you can never ever fool God. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you shall reap. If you sow in corruption, you will basically find yourself reaping the fruit of corruption. But I pray, as I've always prayed, that may this congregation be a people who will reap the fruit of incorruption. Hello? Hello. So be seated. Um, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 14 to 15. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Beloved of God, there are very many nice people in society. There are so many good people that we see in society, people who have got power, people who have got status, people who have got a sense of belonging, people who, who have a location, but unfortunately, their lives are unfulfilled. There are so many good and nice people who are good-looking, beautiful, handsome, you know, and yet their lives are unraveling. And then, you know, there are those who have got residences that are situated in places where only the affluent are allowed to live but they are unfulfilled in their lives. Yet, it is quite amazing how you'll find that there are so many people who do not have those things. You'll come across people who do not have money. They don't have good looks. They are not very attractive outwardly. They don't have any status. They don't have any location. And yet, these are the ones who are contented. They are content and they are anchored. Now, what is the variance between those who have but aren't fulfilled 
and those who do not have it and yet they are contented, the variance between them is godly wisdom. You know, beloved, your experience of life is not predominantly or fundamentally determined by what you have or where you are. It is not about what you have that matters. Neither does it matter as to where you are, beloved. Your experience in life is determined by how you handle what you have. It is how you handle what you have. Because, beloved, it is important for you to ask yourself questions. How do you handle the privileges that you have in life? How do you handle the favors that you have in your life? How do you handle the things that you own, the opportunities that you have? Because, you know, sometimes we think that uh, we do not have anything, but the truth of the matter is that there are opportunities that God has presented to you. There are privileges that God has presented to you. Maybe you might not consider certain aspects of your life as a privilege, but the truth of the matter is that you are privileged. You are a man or a woman of privileges. You may think that you do not have any favor, but I submit to you that you're a man and a woman of favor. You may say that, well, God has not given me much in terms of being able to accomplish by the truth of the matter that you do have. And then also, beloved, there are also experiences that you go through in life. There are experiences that you encounter, good or bad. But the question is not about the experience or what experience you have. The question is, how do you handle your experiences? whether positive or negative. Because, beloved, the experience of your life is determined by how you handle where you are. That's the truth of the matter. In other words, how do you handle your current season, beloved? How do you handle your present moment or circumstances? Because life is about time and season. And, you know, every one of us is in some season of sorts. It might not be the best of all seasons. It might be the best season for you. But remember, it is one thing to be able to know that this is a season in which you are in, or this is a moment that you are having in your life. But the question is, how are you handling it? Because how you handle it is what will determine as to whether you come out better or worse. So it is not about what, but it is how. How you handle what and how you handle also where. Hello, church. And you know, for you to be able to handle your life well, with whatever you have and wherever you are, you need only one thing, and that is godly wisdom. You need godly wisdom because, beloved, the life of a human being, human life generally can be very messy, okay? Human life can be very complicated, and generally speaking, beloved, we go through episodes of daily annoyances, we undergo major disasters whereby things can go horribly wrong in our lives. And we see it also in the lives of other people, beloved. And you know, the unique thing about the path of life is that the life, or rather this path that we trend upon, is not neutral. There is no neutrality. Because you see, beloved, our chosen path is a matter of life and death. You okay? But God wants life for you, depending on the choices that you make. And when you look at, at, at Scripture, we are able to deduce that who you are and who you become is ultimately the product of how you do the little things every day. Not the big things. The little things. The small things. 
Because many times, you know, we want to do big things. We want to accomplish grandiosity of sorts. But everything that is grandiose, however good it is, it starts in seed form. Okay, guys? Yes. You must ask yourself, how do you handle your decision-making process? And I'm sure this is where a lot of people get it wrong. How do you handle your transitions? How do you handle the steps that you take? How do you handle habits? How do you handle your time, beloved? And many, many other things, beloved. Because these are the things that will determine what your life will turn out to be. If you do not handle your time well, then, beloved, your, time, your life will never be, be good. If you do not know how to handle transitions, and I know we've been talking a lot about transitions, beloved, the outcome of your life may not be the best. You know, one thing about transition is that you can, you, you, you may be this kind of a person who tries to sneak in a scripture here to justify your nonsensical way of doing things. You may want to, you, you may, you may want to, to, to sneak in a prophetic word that you received and you, and, and you want to superimpose it on that which is fleshly, beloved. But the truth of the matter is that a time of reckoning will come and whatsoever you reap, or rather whatsoever you sow, you shall reap. You can't play monkey business when it comes to life. Come on. You get what I'm saying? Yes. You cannot play monkey business. And that is why wisdom is fundamental. Okay? Habits that you have. You know, some habits are good, but there are others which are not good. You need to check on your habits. And let's not say that habits are weaknesses. That, you know, the grace of God is sufficient. Yes, the grace of God is sufficient not to justify and to qualify in your habits. The grace of God teaches you to say no to ungodliness. And there are some habits which are ungodly. And when God's grace appears to you per time, per season, you are being called to a place of saying no. Now, if you do not, if you, if you do not submit yourself to the counsel of grace at every time or season, beloved, your life will become messy. You know... Who you are may refer to your pristine identity or it may also refer to your current, you know, life. And who you become may also refer to whether you allow your pristine identity to cause you to become what God has ordained you to be or possibly you become a product of your, of your current life. And a lot of people are becoming a product of their current lives rather than them being becoming what God wants them to be. So the question is this. Are you where you are because you, you are a product of your current life? Are you a product of who you were in the past rather than becoming what God wants you to be? Or are you undertaking a step in ensuring that you allow your pristine identity to define you, beloved? You know, we live in an interesting world. We live in a world whereby Culture tells us that it's the big things that define us. Culture tells us that our academic prowess gives us a sense of belonging. Culture tells us that our jobs and our status, our reputation in society, that is what matters. Culture tells us that every accolade that you receive and awards that you get at the World Arena, that is what makes you feel a sense of belonging, you see? But beloved, you must understand as a child of God, all those things do not matter and they are of no value to you if you are not defined by who you are in Christ. That's the truth of the matter. Yes. What makes us who we are is the Christ that we have, the Christ we have received. 
And Christ has given to us a pristine identity. That pristine identity is who we are. It is what we carry on the inside of us, beloved. You must see yourself as an extraction of Christ. And you have his consciousness that is within your pristine identity, that you think like Christ, you talk like Christ, you act like Christ, you live like him. Everything about you is Christ. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Your identity is what defines you. It is your identity that describes your destiny. Because within the, 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 the stratum of your identity is what I, is, is, resides the scroll of your destiny. It is a destiny that you already lived out in eternity. Jeremiah, speaking by the Spirit of God, says in chapter 1 that before you are born, before you are formed in the womb of your mother, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. Jeremiah existed as a prophet in his destiny. That was what was in his call of destiny. So what Jeremiah was supposed to do in, in, in the arena of time was to begin to live and manifest who he is. The life that we are supposed to live in Christ is the life whereby we are supposed to manifest the fulfillment of who we already were in him, even before we were born. Everything about us is supposed to be a manifestation of the fulfillment of our prophetic purpose, not trying to figure out something else that we are not. We had an existence in Christ. And you must discover what was your existence in him. Not what society is telling you. Not what circumstance is telling you. What was your existence? What was, what, what was it that was in the ordinations of God? You must understand what is your ordination. Every one of us has got an ordination in God. And when you discover that, then you must figure out by wisdom, how do you walk in the ordination of God? And you see, beloved... If there's something that we need to trust God to cultivate in us is character. Because, beloved, it is your character that enables you to express the intrinsic identity that you possess, beloved. Because one thing about character is that it, it, it empowers your natural abilities that you possess in order to make you effective. You know, you can be very gifted. You can be so talented, beloved. You can have it all. But if you are a person who does not have character, then you are disempowered. A person who does not have character is powerless. A person who does not have character will abuse the gifts of the spirit. A person who has no character will abuse the talents and, and, and every other ability that he or she has. You get what I'm saying? You must check and ask yourself, do you have character in you? Because character will teach you when to speak and when to keep quiet. Hello? When you're a man or a woman of character, you'll know when to move and when to sit down. And one of the things that, about character is that you do not gain character by going to school. There is no institution of learning that teaches you the formation of character. I'm yet to find one. And if that institution exists, chances are they are misleading people. Okay? Character is actually a journey. Character is developed when you journey with Christ. And, and, and the only way for you to come to a place whereby you have character is by being a man or a woman of wisdom. Wisdom is very important. And beloved, just to 
broaden my definition of wisdom further is that wisdom is the voice of God that declares his mind and his heart to his people. Wisdom is a voice. It is a voice in a functional sense within the realms of divine possibilities that seeks to fulfill the purposes in lives of mankind. Remember I told us in part one of this series that wisdom is not found anywhere else. Wisdom is found in the future. And I defined us, I, I, I gave you a definition of the future. The future does not speak of tomorrow. The future does not speak of next year. The future speaks of a place of divine possibilities. And every season is a dimension whereby there is a packaging of possibilities that have actually been deposited. You can cross over from one season to another and you do not even know what possibilities are there. And some of you missed out on the possibilities in the former season. And that is why you've stagnated in your growth. My prayer is that in this particular season that we are in, may you not miss out on the possibilities. Because these possibilities are what will enable you to become what you're supposed to become in this particular season before you anticipate to move to the next level. Hello? Hello? And I remember telling us in part one and part two, that whereas vision, or rather, whereas wisdom operates within the realm of divine possibilities, what it does is that it releases what I call its atmosphere. Now, the atmosphere of vision is what checks into your present. When it comes into your present, what it does is that it, it dismantles the elements of the flesh that are rooted within you. You're getting me? So that you are lifted above your circumstances. So that you are able to do what? To partake of the possibilities that are available for you in, your, in, in the season in which you're in. Because wisdom will always operate within the place of possibilities. But wisdom will never work in cahoots with the flesh. There's no way wisdom will make sense to you when you are in the flesh. There's no way wisdom will make sense to you when you lean on your own understanding instead of you putting your trust in God. And as I told you, it is the voice of God. Okay? Wisdom is also the embodiment of the divine counsel of God that proceeds from the ordinations of God. Now, when I talk about the counsel of God, I'm talking about His will. The counsel of God, he, he, he basically speaks of the expression of his intentions. And these are basically through his own eternal decree. Understand, beloved, that the voice of God is the counsel of wisdom. It is a counsel of wisdom that reveals the mind of God on what he has already declared, not what he will do. It is what he has already declared because the Bible says he declares the end from the beginning. The counsel of wisdom is basically the declaration of, 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 of what God has already fulfilled in matters of, of, of his purpose. And then, of course, wisdom will never ever operate anywhere else except within the realms of possibilities. Now, understand, beloved, the atmosphere of wisdom, when it pervades your circumstances, beloved, it enables you to be capacitated so that you are able to live in accordance with the divine counsel of God. Because, beloved, 
the atmosphere of wisdom is basically the jurisdiction that has been mandated by God within his ordinations to configure the state of circumstances to align with the divine will. Hallelujah. You know, beloved, for wisdom to be able to operate in your life, there must be a jurisdiction with, of, of its operations. Are you together? And the jurisdiction is only that which God has sanctioned. Only that which God has authenticated. And, it, and, and, and you see, the authentication of the jurisdiction of wisdom is basically in line with the ordinations of God. And there are some things insofar as our lives are concerned that must be configured. Now, there can never be a configuration except that God, except that the atmosphere of wisdom dismantles. Okay? So when you're going through a rough time, do not begin to complain. The rough times that you're going through is for your own good. It is wisdom destroying what is wrong in your life. Hello, church? Hello. And then, you see, you must also understand something about the atmosphere of divine wisdom. The atmosphere of divine wisdom is basically the administrative power of divine authority that extracts the blueprints of purpose from the embodiment of the counsel of God. You know, wisdom has got its own administrative arm or wing, and that is basically its atmosphere, okay? And the, the, and the one thing you must understand about wisdom is that wisdom is always keen is always concerned about blueprints. You see, there are blueprints that Satan installed in our lives that the atmosphere of wisdom must remove. When man fell in the Garden of Eden, he lost the original blueprints. Man lost the dimensions of God, man lost the realms of God, and therefore his perspective of God was warped. So what happened was there was now a satanic blueprint that has been governing the entire human race from the fall. Come on. And that's why the Bible says Jesus Christ came so that he may destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Now because Jesus is himself wisdom, yeah. the first thing he has to do is to destroy the blueprints of the devil. Yeah. And then he, he does what? He installs a divine blueprint. Okay. By wisdom. And this is the blueprint of the purpose of God. The purpose of the Father concerning mankind. And this is basically extract an extraction from the embodiment of the counsel of God. And understand this, beloved. When God speaks, his voice is always consistent with his character. God does not speak outside his character. You tell me God has spoken to you. Fine. Let me see the character of God in your life. You're saying that God has spoken to you. The question is, if God has spoken to you, why are you bitter? Why are you full of unforgiveness? You say you're the carrier of the presence of God that you hear him each and every day. The question is, why do you have a lot of envy and hatred? That is not consistent with the character of God. Hmm? Why are you pulling somebody down if God is in your life? Huh? Hmm? 
You know, Bishop, God speaks to me through scripture. Now, if God speaks to you through scripture, why don't you submit to the spirit of the, of, of the scriptures that tells you to turn away from ungodliness? Hello? You know, God, you know, you know Bishop, me, I'm a man of the spirit. And, uh, you know, I don't need to submit to anybody. I submit to God. Fine. If you're a man of the spirit, why are you dating someone who's an unbeliever? No, you are a man of the spirit, but your girlfriend is an unbeliever. No, so the question is, does the Bible allow you to be in a relationship with someone who does not believe in the Christ you carry? You know, we need to tell each other the truth. Eh? Hmm? You know, Bishop, I always obey God. If you obey God, then why is it that you don't obey any level of delegated authority? Right. The God who is invisible, you claim you obey him. But the representation of God in bodily form, in the form of the person of a delegated authority, you defy. My friend, you're a liar, and the truth of God is not in you. I'm telling you, beloved, you know, we, we must come to the place where we ask ourselves hard questions. Hmm? You know, people tell me, you know me, I always, I always hear God, but you look at a person and you wonder, there's no God in this person. How can you say that God speaks to you, and yet, with the same, same mouth that utters such words, you slander somebody? You gossip about a person. Hello? If God is in your life, my friend, your language will change. Your heart will change. You will see things from God's perspective. You will love the rich. You love the poor. You love people. You'll have honor and respect for people. That is when we will know that you have God. You getting me what I'm saying? Because, beloved, one thing I've known about the voice of God is that the declaration of his voice is always accurate and it's always true only when it is consistent with the nature of God. So anytime when you say that God has spoken to you, I need to know, okay, what nature of God are you, are, are you manifesting? Yes! Yes! You know, we always look at the nature of God as, as, as being separate, the nature of God. What about you? Aren't you supposed to carry him inside of you? You are talking about nature. Which nature are we talking about? I thought the nature is supposed to be in you. Yes, yes. If I am a follower of Christ, then, I, then that means that his nature is in me. Yes. So when, when I speak, I am supposed to declare in a manner that is consistent with the, with the Christ, the nature of Christ that is in me. But if that is not the case, then I'm lying. Yeah. Hmm? You get what I'm saying, church? Because the nature and the character of God is in the person of Christ. Okay? Now, let me say this. Maybe just to clarify further so that 
we are able to put things into perspective. Now, you know, it is possible for you to hear the voice of God, by the way. It is possible, even for non-believers, it is possible that you may hear the voice of God. You may hear a voice which is likely to be the voice of God, and although that voice may be of God, your soul is dark and corrupt. Okay? Now, you know, when the voice of the word of God passes through the soul of such an individual, a soul who, the soul of an individual who is, which is dark and corrupt, when that individual begins to speak what he or she has had as having originally come from God, unfortunately, that word which he declares becomes corrupted. Yes, God speaks. It is true, he speaks. And I can tell you, most of you have heard God in one way or the other. Even probably when you are not cognizant of it, you heard him speak clearly. But the problem is not, is not the fact that God has spoken to you. The problem is your soul. So that even when you begin to speak out what God has said, whatever you're speaking out, yes, originally came from God, but because of the state of your soul, because of the corruption of your soul, even that proclamation becomes corrupted. That is the word of God. It is not wisdom, it is corruption. Because, beloved, the word of the Lord can be corrupted by the state of the soul of a person whose mouth declares the word of God. Even preachers, by the way. If the state of my soul is dark and corrupted, it doesn't matter how high sounding I might be in these things. The state of my soul has the capability of distorting the original message. Now, you see, the message is not just words. It is intent. So my own motives are the ones that sidestep and, and do what? Capture the voice of God and mask the intentions of God such that when you hear my sermon, you're not hearing the intentions of God. You're just basically hearing Bishop Gobanga speaking to you and you begin to cheer. So that's why I have to be careful when I'm preparing for the sermon. If there is darkness and corruption in my soul, then it doesn't matter what amount of revelation I'm receiving. Revelation is not for information. Revelation is for building and edifying. Yes! And for exhortation. Yes! I can be a man full of revelation and I can share with you the mysteries of God, decode them with Gobanga English. But if the state of my soul is corrupt, then everything else, including my English, becomes corrupt. So you end up leaving the service worse than when you came. That's why, my friend, the pulpit ministry is a sacrosanct ministry. It's very, very sacrosanct. You know, the voice of God, most times it gets muddied by the unrenewed soul. Of an individual. You get what I'm saying? Such an individual cannot declare the voice of God because 
the pure streams of the prophetic message within his heart or her heart are mixed with lustful emotions. You know the reason why people are struggling in being able to understand divine wisdom is not because God is not giving wisdom. People hear the, you know, people hear the voice of God. But you find that within your heart, the streams of the prophetic message, they are mixed up with the lustful emotions. So you allow your emotions to cloud the intent of what God is saying. So that in as much as the message may be prophetic, it does not resonate with the heart and mind of God. Yeah, that's right. And you know, Jesus said we shall know them by their fruit, not by their words, not by their actions. You are teaching. We shall know them by their fruit. Hmm? Wisdom will always reveal fruit. We must always ensure that whatsoever is within the stratum of our hearts is not clouded with anything that is carnal. Because to be carnal-minded is death. Hello, church. Hello. You know, we live in a societal context where trends gravitate like the passage of time. Within the, 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 the social cultural framework of life, you find that there are so many uncertainties. We are uncertain about many, many things, and, that, and, and you find that this is the, the moment whereby those of your generation need guidance. Okay? You need guidance. You need, you, you need guidance because you are a people who are yearning for purpose. And you see, as a young person, as you journey in this walk of faith and growth, one thing that you discover, which is very fundamental, is that divine wisdom will always emerge as a profound and timeless counsel that can illuminate the paths of your life as a young person. Because when you are a man or a woman who operates in the counsel of wisdom, one of the things that you're assured about is that you'll be able to navigate challenges in your life. That's right. You'll be able to make righteous decisions in your life, and you'll be able also to lead people towards true fulfillment. Wow, wow, wow. The problem with societal norms is this. Societal norms tends to glorify self yeah, yeah. rather than God. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But the wisdom of God, what it does is that it teaches you the beauty of humility. The wisdom of God teaches you empathy as well as also compassion. And that's why, beloved, when you immerse yourself in divine wisdom, you'll be able to discover the beauty of seeking divine counsel. You'll also find that divine wisdom will enable you to transcend the limitations of time as well as also trends of modernity. Because, you know, trends tend to, to be temporal. What is trending is not eternal. Fashion keeps on changing. What we wore in the 70s 
is not what we were in the 80s. Because most of you, most of you are not born in the 80s. And even if you were born, you were very tiny. So you didn't know what fashion is. Maybe, maybe two, maybe two people or three, probably. I don't mention age. Because there's a segment of society when you start mentioning age, they get worried. <laughs> Never be ashamed of your age. I mean, your age is, I mean, that's your age. Well, you see, you may be old in age, but that does not mean you're old. Being old is here. People age here. Aging does not begin outwardly. Aging begins here. Do you know how you start aging here? When you hold on to things that you are not, that you're supposed to let go. When you refuse to unlearn, you're old. When you refuse to unlearn, you are, you're old. Come on, say it. When you don't allow yourself to heal. Let me tell you, those of you who love bitterness, those of you who fellowship in the company of bitterness and unforgiveness and envy and jealousy, those are things that make people old. Hello? Don't get to your 50s and then the next thing you look like somebody who is, who is in 90s. You know, for me, apart from the fact that I come from a lineage whereby from my paternal genes, people don't tend to age that fast. But what has also kept me young is, is, that, is that I don't believe in bitterness and forgiveness. I'm not jealous of anybody. I'm not envious. I want to see people succeed. You know? You're planning something. I figure out how do I just, you know, support. That's what keeps me young. So if you want to remain young, my friend, don't harbor bitterness. Don't have unforgiveness. Don't hate anybody. The Bible says pray for your enemies. The Bible does not say you hate your enemies. That is not wisdom. Pray for them. You know when you pray for your enemies, you make yourself young. When you want to renew your strength as a youth, the Bible says you wait on the Lord. Do you know waiting on the Lord what it means? Waiting on the Lord basically means shed off everything that connects you to hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness and pain. You shed it. That is how you wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord does not mean, God, I'm waiting on you and you start quoting scripture, yet there's nothing, you, you, there's nothing being transformed. Waiting on the Lord basically means you unlearn things. Give yourself the opportunity to learn new things. Why do you want to hold on to that which is outdated? Hmm? Like most educational systems in the world, a curriculum that was set in the 1900s, people are holding on to it. No wonder, no, no wonder the world is not moving. We need to learn new things. Life is not static. Life is dynamic. Even culture changes. That's why there are some cultural practices that we must confront and refuse. Hello? Even in church, there are some things that people like to hold on to. They don't make sense.
a time is going to come whereby we'll be presiding over people's weddings in their ratio. There is no biblical reference that forbids that from happening. A time is going to come. Instead, instead of spending so much time having too many functions, we make we collapse them all together. Siku na yopeleka mahari unaniambia askofu ningependa niunganishwe. Iwapo wewe ni first generation itatokezea. Kama wewe si first generation your pastors will do it. But nitakuja. Wazee wamalizane huko. Once wamekubali kwamba mambo ni sawa immediately wedding ceremony. Yeah. We are going to change things. Let me tell you. Who said that you must have a separate function? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. When elders have come together and they have agreed that their children should get married. Once they have agreed and once there has been the exchange of gifts. They are traditionally married. What they just need is to be is, is to be prayed for and to be given a marriage certificate. So need. Yeah. We are going there. Hmm? We are going there. So that we, we avoid making young people spend a lot of money, putting a lot of stress. You 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 have about five five functions. And every function you need a special uniform. For what? Yanini. You come up with a pre-wedding because you need more money to spend to feed people, some of whom do not even love you, they don't even come with a gift. They just come to see if at all there's something that will go wrong on your on your white wedding. And then they'll talk about it. Let me tell you, Atakama Rurashi is in a living room. Let me tell you, you just tell us who will come to Takainje. Watch our Wakimaliza una Twitter and we take over in that living room. And you'll be you'll be man and wife. I give you a certificate and you go. What, what makes you think that doing a wedding in a living room is not so holy? My friend, I've done it before. I did it before. And if you ask the couple, they'll tell you. They don't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Living room wedding. Some of you are wondering, yes. So don't go complicating yourself. Here's the thing. Just be free. And you see, I remember I told us in the AGM, give us, tell us everything. To Ambie, what is it that you want? Then we'll tell you this one is possible, this one is not possible. The thing is, we want you people to have an easy time. I don't want to a situation whereby some young people are now in a come we stay. And then things happen there, and then you come and say, God has blessed us. Niambie mara moja bwana si you are a grown up with what
<laughs> Why did I go there? <laughs> oh my God, I should not have gone there, but anyway. Hmm? So you see, beloved, the reason why people are aging is not because of the fact that they are advancing in years. Aging starts from here and here. It starts from here and then it gets transferred here. So the execution of your thoughts is in the heart and immediately you start aging. Okay? So the wisdom that you need right now is number one, learn to be a forgiving person. Love people even though they may hate you. Even though you might not be able to talk to them, love them. Give them a, give, give opportunity to yourself that maybe a time will come where there will be reconciliation. Because you might need the same, same haters in future. The same haters might need you. And you know how glorious it is to be able to become, uh, to, 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 be, to become a blessing to a former hater that has become your friend? It's good. Just learn to love people. You know, this question of trying to pretend you're coming to greet a see, you know, I love your ministry, yet you've got hatred in your heart towards your pastor. Eh? You go hugging somebody, but the truth of the world is that you're full of envy and jealous. You're hugging a brother, and yet you are, you, you, you're envious of his wife. It's happening in the body of Christ. We must be delivered from that. Okay? You know, with, with divine wisdom, you learn to view challenges you face. You don't run away from them. Hmm? You don't look at a challenge as a stumbling block. Every challenge should be a stepping stone towards growth. Huh? Because the Bible says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You, you're faced with a challenge and you're discouraged. Bishop, you know what? I'm so, I'm so low. I'm so low because now I've not paid my house rent. That's not a stumbling block. That's a stepping stone. You've not paid your house rent. It's a stepping stone for you to think out of the box. Maybe you've just been thinking within the, the, the compartment of salary. God could be saying that you need another stream of income. Huh? That the landlord keeps on re, you know, increasing rent. Maybe God is telling you you need to own a house. Yeah. But your faith is, your faith is limited to your salary, to your small profit you make. Instead of putting faith in the word of God, your faith is in your salary. Because your understanding of life is limited within that cage of your salary and your limited income. You're not seeing the greatness that God has placed inside of you. Yet within your pristine identity, there are resources. Wealth of resources. Hmm? Because, beloved, you are only going to be paid for the problems you solve. Not the complaints that you keep on whining about. Show me a person who keeps complaining that has been rewarded. And I'll show you a person who does not complain, but has solved problems and gets rewarded. You will only be rewarded for the problems that you solve. Yes. So if you are not a person who solves anything, then just know there is no reward. 
There is no reward for you. God wants you to provide solutions for your generation. And you know, when you provide solutions to people's problems, that just confirms what I told you last week. You are a businessman. You are a businesswoman. Business is about solving problems. Yeah. Business is not about you replicating what somebody else is trying to do to solve. That if people are going to China and they're succeeding, you also go to China to bring fake goods. <laughs> then you tell people that you've gone to China. Now the difference between you and your neighbor is that your neighbor's got grade one. You've picked grade four. And you find that all customers are streaming to your neighbor's shop. Then the next thing you begin to scheme with the owner of the property to get rid of your neighbor. Kenyans need to understand that, you see, even if, even if we complain about the Chinese and China Square, that will never solve anything. Guys in Kambukunji need to come to a place where they begin to sell things which are authentic. Why should I come to your shop and buy an extension cable that will blow up in two weeks? It will be better for me to buy, uh, to buy an extension cable from a supplier which is more expensive, but it will last. So you want me to go and buy a torch which it, it, it starts failing even before it leaves the shop. And then when I come back, all oh, goods once sold cannot be returned. Nonsense. Yeah. That's the truth of the matter. Hmm? We must be people who are capable of providing solutions. So don't see, do not see, uh, you know, challenges as stumbling blocks. Challenges should actually be seen as stepping stones. Okay? You get what I'm saying? And when you seek God's wisdom, you basically open yourself up to a greater purpose. And one of the things about the purpose of God is that it will take you beyond the fleeting achievements and material possessions. Hmm? When you align your life with the principles that are found in the scriptures, you will discover a steady and sure path even in the midst of ever-changing tides of life. Okay? And you must allow wisdom to be your guiding light. Wisdom should not become your information. Many people see wisdom as information. If wisdom is information to you, then it will not be of any use to you. Wisdom should actually be light to you. Okay? And it should be light that keeps on illuminating the darkness that you keep on experiencing to the extent whereby you are now empowered to walk in confidence as well as also in faith. Hallelujah. Because friends... We must allow wisdom to hold a profound importance in our lives, whereby we are guided through the, uh, the, the complexities of life, whereby we are empowered to make righteous decisions, not cunning decisions, not crafty decisions. Righteous decisions. Especially in business. Okay? You don't use skills which are, uh, are unequal. Okay? You're selling potatoes. Below, the, you find that the potatoes are good, but 
beneath is something else. That's what most of these people do. And they want to make it. And then there are the same persons who will, be, who will go about complaining that the economy is not well and so on. The economy is not good for you, not for everybody. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Kenyans. I know this is so hard, but as hard as it is, I have to just say it. Not everybody is experiencing hardship like you. The difference between these people and you is opportunity. Hmm? Not everybody. It's because these guys have figured out, forget about those ones who are crafty. Because those ones who are crafty, their time of reckoning is going to come. Yes. I'm talking about those who, 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 who are diligent. Those who ensure that they earn an honest living. Some of them figured this thing out. They didn't wait for things to become tough. You get what I'm saying? That's why I told us, the best time to invest is now, not tomorrow. Don't keep consuming everything. You consume even the seed that you need tomorrow. This is the time to invest. But Bishop, properties are very expensive. Yes, that's why you must invest. Bishop, it is hard to save. That's why you must save and invest. When things are tough, that is the time when you're supposed to invest. You see, God told Isaac to sow when there was famine in Canaan. Why do you want to sow only when there is rain? You should sow when every other person is not sowing. Everybody wants to buy property in Nairobi, and yet there are places where I buy property is cheap. Who told you that Nairobi is the only place you can buy property? This place has been corrupted. Nairobi just needs a diabolic, benevolent dictator in the person of a governor, whereby you dismantle cartels ruthlessly. What will change Nairobi is not democracy. If you try to bring that, people will keep on going to court. They'll use crafty lawyers, and the lawyers will never refuse to come and defend somebody who knows whom they know is going to lose a case. There are lawyers out there, then they don't mind. You hire them, they'll take your money, but they know you're losing. If they're gracious enough, they'll tell you you'll lose, but you keep, if they see that you keep on insisting, they'll say, we'll try what we'll do. But as long as I'm a part of legal fee. Yeah. There are places to invest, let me tell you. There are parts of this country whereby you will get a, a, a piece of land at an affordable rate. Buy it. Don't tell me, but Bishop, will I live there? The question is, must you live there so as, must you buy a property to live there? You can buy there and then, and then put up flats and rent it out. Or you do farming. What's wrong with you? Eh? This is not a time to eat everything. This is a time to invest. This is a time to invest. If at all you are the kind of person who is invested, my friend, you are wise. You are so wise. You are the most wisest person in this time. Okay. God wants you to come to a place where you find true fulfillment as you pursue wisdom. And you know, we, we, we pursue wisdom through the word of God. And when you pursue wisdom through the word of God, what happens is you experience transformation from within, not from without. 
Transformation occurs from within, whereby your character is shaped, and the more you pursue wisdom through God's word, you find that your relationships become enriched, and you become a person of inspiration. That is a good thing about wisdom. And you know, the beauty of seeking eternal, uh, or rather divine wisdom, it lies basically in the eternal truth, which remains unwavering despite the shifting trends of the world. It doesn't matter how things may change, beloved. Wisdom does not change. Truth will always be constant. Truth does not fluctuate. And my prayer for you, millennial people, yeah. is that may you come to the place whereby you embrace, you pursue uh, this timeless wisdom so that your heart is illuminated, that you are able to walk hand in hand with the divine, journeying towards the future that is filled with hope as well as also purpose. Hallelujah, beloved. We read a scripture in 2 Timothy about, this is what Paul was telling Timothy, that you've known the Holy Scripture since you were a child. And these scriptures are able to make you wise. And, this is, and, 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 and you know this is the wisdom that leads one to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Beloved, understand that there is a wisdom in yielding to God's fatherly counsel. A counsel that comes to us in various forms of life, including also the scriptures. Okay? And, and, you, and you also find that there's also wisdom that comes when you also learn from your parents. Because you see, we, we, Timothy was being told that he learned the rudiments of faith from his matriarch. Hello? You learn the rudiments of faith also through your instructors, or rather, instructors basically means through the many teachers that have come to your life, and many, many other people. And that's why, beloved, the word of God is something that we must not compromise. The scriptures are very fundamental, and they can only become, a, they can only help you when you are at a point whereby you study, you meditate, you ponder over it day and night. There is wisdom in trusting God and not in yourself, beloved. Because God's word is able to make us wise. Hmm? Now remember, beloved, and I want you to pay attentive to the following statement. Because this is where we get it wrong. God will not make you wise against your will. You see, the word of God is able to make you wise, but he cannot do it against your will. Because your will may probably be resisting the wisdom of God. Because, you know, people hold on to their foolishness. Okay? And that's why, you know, <laughs> when you look at the book of Proverbs, for instance, you find that this is a book that teaches us wise principles of life. Okay? And the word of God invites us to look for wisdom. The word of God does not ask us to presume the existence of wisdom. Okay? Remember, beloved, the degree to which the word will produce wisdom in you depends on what kind of heart response and attitude you take to the word. Okay? If you take to the heart the warnings and the promises of scriptures, you will humble yourself and receive wisdom. You get what I'm saying? And the wisdom that Paul is telling Timothy, the wisdom 
that leads one to salvation is the wisdom that leads us not to trust in our own righteousness. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll establish your paths. Okay. This is a wisdom that leads us not to be indifferent to our own state. It is a wisdom that enables you to cry to the Lord who alone can save you from the power, curse, and guilt of sin. You get what I'm saying? And that is why it is very important for you to keep listening to the word of God. And if you keep listening to the word of God with an open heart, with an open heart, not a closed heart, an open heart, because sometimes, and I can say this confidently, some of you do not listen to God's heart, to God's word with an open heart. Some of you, I can just point out, even if this someone, your heart is closed. Because to you, that word is meant for so and so. You don't see it as your word. If you keep listening to the word of God with an open heart, you will increase in wisdom. But if your heart is closed, I can assure you, you will attend every conference. So we like going to meetings of international preachers. Some of you are already making booking arrangements. You go there, your heart is closed. You're so excited about what you hear, but your heart is closed. Once again, I always say, I'm not against people going to meetings. You can go to the meetings, fine. We are, I mean, we are part of the body. But I'd rather you attend a few of those meetings with an open heart than to attend every meeting in Nairobi and in the Republic of Kenya, yet your heart has been closed throughout. All you have is a, all, all you have is a monument of stories. Eh? You, get, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You know, when you read the Bible, you will always gain a mainframe knowledge of scriptures. One good thing about the Bible is that you'll be, you'll be vastly good in being able to capture the stories that are there as well as also the historical facts that are locked up in Scripture. But when you study the Bible, you must know, beloved, that you will be given access to simple and virtual understanding of Scriptures. And you know, you may also be able to be at a point where you can explain the occurrences as well as also historical events and even being able to understand the personalities that are found in scriptures, personalities such as Moses, Elijah, Enoch, Methuselah, and so on. Now, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say because I'm, I'm, I'm basically releasing a nugget here of revelation. Now, the events that we read about in the Bible, the occurrences that we read in the Bible, as well as also the personalities. These are basically powerful codes of walking in the light. Okay? I'm still releasing. If you've not been paying attention to the sum, at least you can listen here. Now, all historical events and occurrences are basically gates of wisdom that open up to streams of revelation. Okay? All biblical personalities are also gates of wisdom that will open you up to the streams of revelation. You get what I'm saying, guys? Now, 
The gates of wisdom also serve as spiritual passages for us to access what I refer to as the eyes of wisdom through the revelation that we receive from the Lord. So that, you know, you do not just operate like someone who is just excited about the fact that uh, Melchizedek uh, came to bless Abraham. You must understand, Melchizedek is basically a gate. A gate of wisdom. Okay? You must understand, even the sin that David committed, that we, uh, when, when he killed Uriah, and married his wife Bathsheba. It was a historical occurrence, but it is also what? A gate. It is a code that ushers you to light. Not the light of sin. You know, to other people, you'll judge David and say that he's a sinner, full of the devil. But you see, God refers to David as a man after his heart. So you're judging David, but God is, is heaping praise on him. You see, even in our day, there are people who may have very many flaws. There are people who even fall into sin. The question is, do you use that as an opportunity to gossip about that person? Or are you able to see this as a code that you need to crack to access light? So that it's not about this other, what this person did, but it's about what you're able to learn beyond the event, beyond the occurrence. Because the same, same person who has messed, God will restore. Hello, church? The same, same person who's messed, God will restore. And every one of us is basically a beneficiary of grace. Okay? And you know, the codes of light that we are able to see, especially with, with regards to the historical events, the personalities, and so on. Beloved, these things will not strike any chord in your soul until you journey beyond the 66 books of the Bible, not outside of it. You see, there's a difference between beyond and outside of it. You can journey beyond the 66 books of the Bible, and you're within. You're not outside. Okay? When I say that you're supposed to journey beyond the 66 books, what basically I mean is that you're, you're able to have access to the scriptural inspiration, the spirit of the scripture, the spirit of God that inspired the writing of scripture. You're able to access the spirit of scriptural inspiration that makes you to perceive the deeper knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. That's what basically I'm saying. Okay? And remember, beloved, the process whereby you're able to traverse, you know, beyond the 66 books of the scripture is, 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 is a process that I refer to as musing. It is a process that I refer to as ruminating. Okay? It is a process of contemplation. It's a process of meditating. David uses that in Psalms chapter 1. You meditate on the word of God day and night. And you know, people do not meditate in our days. People do not know what it means to ruminate on the word of God. Now, you see, the process whereby you brood over the word, you muse over the word, you contemplate of the word, what happens is it empowers you to be able to expound depths. If you want to be deep when it comes to matters of scripture, you must bring yourself to the place whereby you brood over the writings of scripture. Okay? It, 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 it enables you to be empowered to elucidate mysteries. 
okay? Whereby you're able to gain access to what I refer to, the gates of ancient wisdom, okay? The gates of ancient revelation, okay? It is a place where, beloved, and I'll say this carefully, it is a place where your logical competence is useless. When you're in a state whereby you're musing over the word of God, what happens is, beloved, you get to the stage whereby your virtual understanding is nonsensical. The more you continue to ruminate in the word of God, you reach a point whereby the spirit himself ferries you into all realities. Okay? This is a process whereby you are enabled, whereby you are steered, you are directed into all realities. To qualify that, you can read in your own free time, John 16, verse 13, whereby Jesus talks about the fact that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. He guides you into all truth. Okay? You get what I'm saying? Whereby you understand one thing, that in your ruminations, the Scriptures are your shield. They are your safeguard. But the Holy Spirit is your counsel. The scriptures ensure that you are balanced so that you don't go beyond. That everything must be judged on the scale of scripture. But who is it that is guiding you? The spirit of God. The same spirit that inspired the writing of scripture. He is your safeguard. Okay? And you know, when you keep on ruminating, what happens is your, the conduit of your spirit man will open up and the blares of the carnal realm will be shut off from your heart. Okay, And this is a place whereby you begin to see very deep organic matters of the kingdom that are way beyond elementary doctrines. Okay, This is a place whereby your soul begins to taste of the very wisdom that has been kept hidden for your glory before the foundations of the earth. Okay, This is what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 2.7. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. That's what God wants us to come to a place whereby we are able to understand that we are able to meditate. And you know, the more you meditate, you enter into the world of Rema, the Rema word of God. Okay? Because, beloved, revelations are fragmentations of the divine life from the spirit within, not from the spirit without. Okay? And then. If I may share this as a disclaimer or a caveat, revelations are not there to fill your brain with information so that you feel more educated. And this is where a lot of even preachers have gotten it wrong. That you feel that you're so enlightened, you're so educated, you even distort the revelation itself because your soul is dark and corrupted. Huh? Revelation is there to fill your heart with divine thoughts and awareness. So that you're able to live according to the beatings of God the Father. Hallelujah. Stand. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.